0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're a manager and you are looking to build up your skills, then check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. Now, in this 13-month program, I will personally be taking you through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. Now These sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'm going to do it personally using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, or outdated tools and techniques. These sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after these sessions. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. In fact, I would encourage you to go see your HR department and say, listen, I need to go to some training as well as the rest of my managers would love to have the group together for one of our sessions. You know, this episode is an interesting one because we're going to be talking to HR professionals, but these are no ordinary HR professionals. Our guests today are Cornelia Gamlin and Barbara Mitchell. Now, they are the authors of a book entitled, They Did What? Unbelievable Tales from the Workplace. You know, an HR professional's role is basically to protect the house against threats, the kinds of threats that can land the organization in jail or fined or anything like that, and yet you probably have no idea what they go through. Well, this book gives you an inside look. We talk a lot about the book, but more importantly, we talk about HR and their role. So as a manager, if you don't fully understand or appreciate what HR people do, this is a great episode for you, and I would encourage you afterwards to go get this book. So let's quit talking about these two authors. Let's talk to them. Time for us to buckle those seatbelts. We're going to hit the road together. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Cornelia Gamlem and Barbara Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, so we are coming to you from three different locations today, Tennessee and the Washington, D.C. area and New Mexico. But we're here together to talk about a common subject. And it's based on the book that the two of you wrote. And the title of the book is They Did What? Unbelievable Tales from the Workplace and so I believe that most people really enjoy a good story, so I suspect we're gonna have a lot of that in our time together today, but before we jump in and start talking about some of the stories and you know kind of what we have to be paying attention to, I was hoping that both of you could share something about your background and then how you both came together to write this book.
1: Sure, well, I'll start. Uh, our background is in human resources, long time with Marriott International, And then also with a startup company in high-tech and one in biotech. So came at HR from a variety of of ways and then went into the consulting world. Uh, And just my passion is around bringing the right people into organizations. I think there's nothing more important than having the right people, as Jim Collins said, in the right seats on the right bus. And that's what every organization needs. So that's where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, in addition to now writing books, and we've done uh, five together. Is this our fifth, fifth fifth together? We've also done a couple of them more than once, which is what we're working on for next year—a tenth anniversary edition of the Big Book of HR. So uh, we uh, do well working together, and I'll let Cornelia introduce herself and maybe tell you a little about our partnership started.
2: Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been in, in HR for quite a number of years. I've worked in manufacturing and then also in high-tech high um, systems integration and um, spent a lot of my time in HR Working in the area of employee relations and you know a lot of that was on the corporate level So I got a slightly different view of what the whole employee relations function is Which will we'll probably get into a little bit more when we talk about the book Um, And then like Barbara I moved from corporate America and started working in uh, Working as a consultant and spent quite a number of years in consulting and along the way um, you know, Barbara and I had met each other, uh, you know, had a, our pants crossed a number of times. And as we were both consultants, spent a lot of time, um, you know, just sharing stories and, you know, as we did with other consultants and Barbara had an opportunity. She had written a book with another uh, colleague of ours. And then the publisher came back to her with this idea for the big book of HR. And she was going to do it alone until they came back and said, well, we accept your proposal, but you've only got five and a half months to write it. And it's a big book. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> After all, it is the big book of HR, right?
2: So, you know, she asked me if I was interested in being a co-author and that's how our, our writing partnership began. And, you know, then the, the publisher kept coming back to us with with new ideas and we wrote a few more books for the publisher and uh, then decided to do 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 take a different take on it and write a book on our own with a a slightly different theme to it
0: yeah well when I look at your title so you have the manager's answer book Mm -hmm. and then I see of course the big book of HR and then I have the essential workplace conflict handbook but this is a book about stories Mm -hmm. why did you choose to write this book
2: well that was interesting um it actually started when we were writing the big book of hr because i was i was finishing up the chapter on employee relations and i thought my big for me my biggest challenge was not filling up enough space but having to limit what i wrote um because you can only put so much in each chapter and i thought about a conversation i had once with a student when i was teaching some hr classes and she said how do you learn employee relations and I thought, you know, that's a good question. And the way you really learn it, you know, you can learn the backdrop around policies and the laws and how to apply things. But the backdrop to all of that is you have to experience it. And, you know, you're talking about people's behavior and human nature. And the best way to do it is, you know, just kind of being out there in the field. I think that that's how a lot of us, you know, did it, kind of that the baptism by fire. And I thought there's got to be another way. And I said to Barbara, what if we were to write a book and use examples, but use real examples and tell them in a way that it wasn't case studies, but gave people more of a story to keep them engaged. And, and that, that's how we really kind of came upon this whole idea of let's write a storybook about what goes on in, in human resources and what are some of the kinds of things that people have to deal with and make it interesting so it's not dry.
0: Well, I have, uh, I guess in my travels talking with HR people, they all have a story. So if you were to ask me like at a party, who would I want to talk to? Probably a cop, because I'm sure the cops got good stories and certainly a doctor. Uh, I think it was on Seinfeld that Kramer says, you know, find a proctologist because they always have the best stories. But certainly third and not that far behind is HR. Because you guys see stuff. I, I, I look at what HR sees is like seeing your mom naked, right? It's like, you know what happens, but you just don't really want to think about it. And you guys see it and you've talked about it. So is this book just a book of stories? Is there something I can take out? Is this like a business book or would this be entertainment?
1: Well, it's a sort of a combination, Mac. We really thought long and hard about it. We didn't want it to be a preachy, teachy kind of a book. We wanted it to be, as Cornelia said, using stories. And that's what we did. We collected stories from, I usually say, hundreds of people. And Cornelia always makes me correct myself. It wasn't quite hundreds of people, but a lot of people. We collected stories from them. And then we wove them into a a narrative, uh, which, again, was a great learning experience for us. But what we really wanted, we had a couple of of, uh, intents. One of them was to let people know the scope, the broad scope of what HR people deal with on a daily basis. We, having both been HR professionals for many years, heard many times people say, well, anybody can do HR. You're just just listening to people or whatever. In fact, I had a boss one time, a CEO, who said to me that my job as the head of HR for the company was to hire people and make them happy. (laughs) Uh, which is pretty much not what my job was. Yes, hiring people, fine, but making them happy, not so much. So we wanted to make that point that HR is a complicated field. And the best way we thought to do that was to tell real stories. But again, we couldn't tell real stories from real people and not get sued. Uh, So we had to work really hard to uh, craft. uh, We created a company. We created uh, characters and we created dialogue. And boy, was that a t- tough thing from two women who had spent 10 years working on uh, nonfiction books. We had to go in a whole different direction. But so to, to your point, no, this is not a, a classical business kind of book. Yes, there are lessons to learn. In every one of the stories, there's a lesson. But it's not, here's what you should do if this happens to you you read the story, you think about it, you think, how how might I handle that story if that happened to me? And they really are based on real, real experiences.
0: Well, for the manager who's listening to this today, who thinks of HR as either the party planner or the fun police, <laughs> I mean, tell us from your perspectives and your experience, what exactly does HR do?
2: Well, Obviously, we do a lot of things, and and we try to you know bring a little bit of that in throughout the book. But but the biggest focus was that employee relations aspect and having to deal with people's behavior in the workplace. And you know, a lot of times people think, well, it's just you know go open the policy manual and apply a policy to it. And it's not quite that simple because every situation is going to be different. Every you know you may even be talking about workplace harassment, but Every time you look at it, this scenario and, and, you know, what actually occurred is going to change a little bit. So there's a lot that has to be taken into account, you know, Um, things like what have we done in the past in a similar situation? What makes this situation unique? Um, What's different about this employee? You know, have they been with us for a long time or have they just started working here and, and they're already um, kind of acting in a way that tells us they don't really fit with our values and and not somebody that, that we want to continue having within the organization. So, you know, to Barbara's point, people think every, anybody can do HR, but I don't think the average manager often realizes how complicated it can be when you're dealing with employee issues and employee behavior. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that behavior might be deliberate, but there's a lot of times that there's an underlying reason for it, like an illness. And that's when you've got to realize that there are other resources that you want to pull into a situation like an employee assistance program. So, you know, one of the messages that we hope managers take away is that, first of all, if you're encountering something that maybe you've never encountered before and you're not quite sure what to do with it, Get HR involved because they're they're better positioned if they can't if they don't have the background to solve the problem, like if you're dealing with with an employee mental health issue, let's say they can very quickly get your employee assistance program pulled into place. Or if, if you need legal advice, they can very easily bring, bring um, you know, the legal counselors in to, to help you kind of sort through the situation. So, you know, don't try to go it alone and recognize that you've got a lot of good resources at your disposal.
0: Is there a balance that you as HR professionals would like to see in terms of a manager? So I kind of look at it. the manager, maybe somebody says, I'll just do it and figure it out on my own. Or there's the other extreme of I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so they show up at your doorstep 15 times a day. I mean, which of those two would you prefer? I mean, obviously somewhere in the middle, but which bothers you the most? The one that tries it? and then gets in trouble, or the one that won't try anything?
1: The one that tries it and gets in trouble, I think. We're better off to deal with these situations as early as possible with the best possible person to deal with them, and that would be HR and then the resources that Cornelia just mentioned. The ones that compound the problem of thinking that they know what to do, uh, it it can get worse and worse and worse and be much more complicated and cost the company a lot more money to resolve yeah, yeah,
2: I, I would, I would certainly agree. I, I, would, I would rather be. I would, I want, I want, I want people to come to HR. Um, I don't want them to ignore a problem, um, but at the same time, yeah, d- don't be at my doorstep every fifteen minutes. You know, there, there are some things that are relatively simple. You want to be able to to figure them out. Um, when, when you really have a problem, is when you you start to see behavior occurring over and over again. You know, like the second time the same thing happens, maybe that's when you should be coming to HR and saying, I'm not sure, but it looks like there there's a pattern going on here. Um, what should be our next steps?
0: Okay.
1: And can I just add, sometimes the problem is the manager, the behavioral problem is the manager. And we tell yes. a few of those stories as well. Uh, no matter how much we, we provide management development for people of training, uh, we still have managers who make uh, crazy decisions as well. Well, I
0: guess something's got to pay the bills for the three of us. So that's probably not, not good, but I guess we fortuitous, say all,
1: right? Yeah, we say it all the time. Why don't people, What? why do they behave like this? And then we go, oh, if they didn't, we wouldn't have jobs. So uh, there is some benefit to, to that, but we'd like it to be a little no, less. No, I, I
0: agree. Guess. And I don't think managers fully understand the potential liability and costs if something ends up going to trial and the reputation so uh yeah i think that's the one thing i've seen from the management side which is where i primarily do my tech, tactical work is most people they don't see hr as a partner we try to suggest think of hr as a tag team partner in a wrestling match you know they don't i'm not going to expect you to do all the wrestling but boy it'll sure be nice if i can tag you in when i get in a bind but then HR would say, okay, well, I've got you out of it. Now get back in the ring, right? Because you already have a full-time yeah. job.
1: You're absolutely right. It's one of the one of the benefits, and I, I know this sounds a little uh, weird at this moment, but one of the benefits we think of going through this year with COVID is that HR has had to step up in a way that they've never had to step up before in terms of how, how, how do we work? How do we continue to be productive? And being that partner that you mentioned we want that to happen, and we hope that comes through in, in the book, that uh, don't go it alone, but bring your HR person in and uh, work on these things together. And we think we're seeing a lot more of that right now because we have to.
0: It's interesting because, you know, prior to COVID, the theme at a lot of conferences was how to get a seat at the table. What I saw this past year okay. is that HR was being dragged to the table and suddenly like, what are we supposed to do? And
1: and HR is not just at the, at the table, but they're at the head of the table and the jewel
0: There you go. There you go. And they've been invited almost out of desperation,
1: so this
0: is a chance to spike the football in some people's faces. But you know, but I mean, it's like, why didn't you realize what I could bring before this? Why did it take a pandemic? But
1: you know what? We'll we'll take it, uh, and and hopefully, when we take it, we continue to just add value, and that's that's what we want from HR.
0: Well, I wouldn't expect anything less. I mean, that's why you go into this to to be a valuable partner. So, if there's a good thing that came from COVID, maybe this is it. Oh and I'm boy, ready yes. for COVID to be yes. over. I don't know about the two of you. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the book. So you've got some pretty interesting stories in there, and uh, I don't want to tell any of the stories. I'd like you maybe to give us a little hint. I want people to go out and buy the book and read the stories. But I'm most intrigued about the. Uh, the training session on the uh, video thing oh, that kind yeah. of went awry after the session was over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to get us excited to, and it's probably a bad metaphor, uh, anxious to read the book. I mean, could you just give us a little lead into that story and don't give us the whole thing. I just want to hear the the good stuff
2: want to whet your appetite but we want you to get out and and read the book but let me put it this way a friend of mine who's been in management all his life um and and somebody i I met when i moved here so i haven't known him for years and you know we're, we're both writers and we've exchanged you know a lot of help and support to each other and he read he was one of the first people to read the book and and he called me up and he said you know You've talked about this book and what you were trying to accomplish with, with it. But I had no idea that the kinds of behavior um, occurred throughout so many different organizations. And he worked a lot in healthcare and he has joked in the past about um, healthcare being only second to the hospitality industry because you work in organizations where there were more beds per, per capita. And I said to him, well, you might be surprised, Paul, because it doesn't take a bed to to for employees to engage in some types of mischiefs, shall we say. And what we found very, very interesting is when we would ask people, um, tell us, you know, tell us about some of the most challenging situations that you you've encountered. We heard So many stories along the same line of people just misbehaving and doing things in the workplace that ought not be done in an office or in any other setting that um, you you could possibly conceive of. So, um, yeah. a lot of interesting misbehavior, and, and as he put it, there was a story about a pool table. and put this in his review. He said, but I'm not going to say any more about that because I don't want to spoil the book for anyone.
0: Okay, so bottom line is when you open this book, there's going to be some pretty good reading in there, right?
2: Uh, we think so. In fact, a, a good friend of ours in D.C., and who's also a fellow author, said... I picked up this book because I wanted to be a good friend and I thought I was going to have to be reading about performance management and benefits enrollment and all of that stuff. And she said, I had no idea that these were the kinds of things that HR people had to deal with. And thank you for such a fun read. But, you know, people are finding it quite enlightening, you know, and and I think people who are outside of the HR profession uh, just are really
1: surprised at this is what you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Maybe a, maybe a clue, if I could just add, is what's on the cover of the book is a conference room table. And that one of the reasons we put that on the cover was we heard more stories about misbehavior on conference room tables. So I always tell people, I will never again eat my lunch on a conference room table. <laughs>
0: Wise words. Yeah. So I guess when we say get a seat at the table, that could be a code word, couldn't it? Yeah. But after (laughs) that, that visual in my mind, you're you're right. I don't think I'm eating lunch on the conference room table. Why do you suppose that this sort of mischief happens? I mean, you gave the case for hotels and for hospitals where there's beds. Why would you, why would this happen in the workplace? Aren't people busy enough?
1: people spend more time at work than they do anywhere else in their lives and most people do and it's just uh, human behavior where maybe that it's uh, they they think this is a possibility Uh, they're away from their their, structure of their family life there's a million reasons I could give you do any of them make sense or should that be people's behavior no but I think that's just, it's a human behavior kind of thing. And people are thrown together and mischief happens.
0: Okay. Oh, well, I've never heard it uh, expressed as mischief before, but <laughs> that's a, that'll be our code word. Okay. So, yeah. All right. No more mischief. All right. So, are all of the stories in your book, because it sounds like there's some funny stories in there, are they all funny stories or there's some serious ones too?
1: There are some very serious ones, too. We, we really tried to mix it up. Uh, you asked a moment ago about what, what actually we cover in the book, and we really cover, the I think, the whole employment cycle of employees. We have some stories about uh, hiring, interesting, funny hiring stories, and we have some termination stories, so everything in between that happens in an employee experience. Uh, but, no, they're not all funny. There are some that are a little bit sad. Uh, there are some that are very serious in terms of mental illness, uh, other kinds of uh, health issues that are, are, we hope that people take them seriously. But we hope we intersperse the book, we paste it out enough so that you're not getting all the sad stories in the middle or the happy stories at the beginning or the funny stories at the end. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy read. And you don't have to read the whole book chapter by chapter either. Uh, We've got a couple of chapter titles that people seem to gravitate to, and we're probably not going to say those in your podcast, Uh, but uh, it's whatever you want it to be. It's a story. We have the same characters, but it's not a chronological kind of a story. You can read the last chapter first if you want.
0: Well, that's sort of like how life in HR works anyway. There's no sequence. Like the guy on that pawn shop, he says, you never know what's going to walk through that door. And I suspect it'd be the same. Mm-hmm. You told me that you had lots and lots of stories submitted. How did you select the ones that you used in a book?
2: Yeah, that that was an interesting process because when we started writing the book, we, you know, we didn't know what we were gonna get. You know, as I said earlier, we just sat people down and said, Tell us your stories. And what we saw was a definite theme that started to emerge after we were probably halfway through and you know there would be a chunk of stories about terminations or a chunk of stories about interviews or a chunk of stories about bosses who probably weren't the best boss and you know lessons could be learned from their behavior so we, you know, as, as we started to see the pattern, that's where we started to fit a lot of the stories in. And I mean, I would say we probably used about 90% of the stories that we got. You know, there, there were some that just didn't quite fit anywhere. And even though we ended up with a po- potpourri chapter, as I called it, you know, just when you thought you'd heard everything. And we had some stories that were just too good to pass up that we had to include in that one. But there was some that just really didn't fit anywhere. So, you know, we said, well, they're probably left, you know, just put aside for now. And maybe when we write the next book, there'll be a place for some of those as well. But it it was interesting just the the way it kind of fell together, because it was not the way we really didn't have a plan for for what the final book was going to look like until we started to gather a lot of the stories. So
0: of the stories in the book, what percentage would you say had situations that HR people were prepared to handle based on their training, whether it was through their degree or through just learning as you go and getting your certification. I mean, are these the kind of things that you're trained to handle or are these examples of what you just never expect? What, do you, what would you say to that? I'm just curious.
1: I couldn't come up with a percentage, but I would say that uh, it, it's, you, are, you are not prepared for a lot of the things that come, walk through your door. It's the first time, especially for new HR people or people that haven't had as much experience. You just people's behavior is unpredictable. Uh, and maybe you've had a piece that you can apply. Uh, but I think most importantly is being able to be a good listener uh, when people come to you with problems and be able to use the resources that we talked about earlier, your uh, other people within your organization or uh, one of the things that we we loved that we we wove through this book was what we call a networking group. HR can be a very lonely part of of, of a business because you you can't talk to anybody about what you're what's happening in your job every day, uh, because so much of it is confidential. And so we put together this networking group where people come together and they can, they're from different businesses, they're from different parts of life but they are able to share experiences and get input from other HR people totally confidentially. And we have found in our, both of us and our careers have found that to be extremely valuable. so we wove that in and that allowed us to tell more stories as well because all the things we have in this book could not happen to one H.R. person. Uh, if if they did, he or she would be unfortunately uh, institutionalized. So, uh, we had to create uh, this networking group. Allowed us to then put some more experiences in, but also the networking group provided that expertise that you asked about your question. Uh, if it hasn't had if it hadn't happened to me, but somebody in the networking group had dealt with it that would be a great resource for me to know how I might be able to handle the situation.
0: If a company owner was to read this book, would they in Europe from where you come from say, Oh my God, I had no idea this stuff could potentially be going on. I mean, if somebody was to read that, would that be the reaction they would get? Do you think there's enough company owners that don't realize this goes on all this mischief?
2: I, I think so, you know, because if you have a smaller company that, you know, the probability uh, it isn't around, the, the, you know, the scope of the things that would happen, you know, the frequency. But yes, the, I mean, the, there's a lot of situations that we talk about in the book that can happen even even in a smaller organization. And, you know, we you know, we've, we've we use some examples I and mean, we've touched on it before about people with, you know, medical issues or mental health issues. That can happen in any organization, you know, anywhere. Yeah, you, know, you also have people that, you know, they don't mean to be creating mischief, but they just use some bad judgment from time to time. And and you know, it, it kind of boomerangs back to them and you know without without any of them realizing it. And I think you know, for for a smaller company and, and a business owner, you've got you've got to be as equally prepared as the you know the novice HR professional that hey, some of this stuff can happen. And what do I do with it when it when it does? You know, I, I never thought I'd have to deal with this kind of a situation. Um, you know, I never thought I'd have to deal with somebody, um, you know, really acting out and, and then to find out that, yeah, there's a mental health issue that's underneath it. You know, the person's not on their meds. And those aren't things that HR people can can really um, solve. They, they just have to understand enough about them to say, we need more help. And, and the same thing goes for, for a business owner. You know, none of us are therapists. Um, not, none of us are trained in that area. So th- that's when you've got to turn to, you know, some kind of an outside source for help. But yeah, I, I, th- I think there's a great majority of these things that that could happen um, at any time in any organization.
0: So for the HR professional who, because I mean, I, I would think that if this book really gets out and company owners start really beginning to panic, they're going to start going to their HR person and say, hey, are you ready for something like this? The HR person, if they were honest, would say, no, no, I, I really don't know what walks through the door. What what would your recommendation be for an HR professional to sort of stay in shape for these kinds of things?
1: I think just to be as uh Always learning. Uh, You know, I'm totally a believer in lifelong learning and HR in particular. The field changes constantly. Uh, This past year, we certainly came right up uh, against it with with, uh, COVID-19. But also for just keeping your skills up to date, Uh, reading, seminars. uh, Mac, you've got programs that people should be tuning into podcasts, all these things where you can get experience and learn before it comes up. Can you always be prepared 100%? No, there'd be no way in the world. But I think if, if HR people need to be constantly learning, which is why things like certification make that happen, because you need to keep your your uh, certification o- uh, up by taking uh, getting getting credits, But you can do that in so many ways now, Uh, reading. We think our books are helpful. Just being resourceful and being uh, resilient and always wanting to learn, not putting your head in the sand and saying, oh, that'll never happen here. Odds are it will. And the one thing I would add to that, you
2: know, Barbara talked about the network group that that we have in the book, and it's just so important to have other colleagues, even if they're outside the organization. Sometimes it's better if they're outside the organization, um, just to say, this just happened to me. What do I do about it? Um, Or you know if you hear somebody else who is suddenly faced with a problem you know keep that in mind because if it happens to you down the road that's the first resource you should be turning to to just say can i talk this through with you um you know i, mean, I had a situation not that long ago where I, I was working with an attorney around a situation and you know we were both sitting there kind of scratching our heads and you know kind of doing this well on one hand it could be approached this way. And then on the other hand, it could be approached that way. So, you know, even even when you've been in the field for a long time, as both of us have been, because she's been practicing employment law for a long time, the answer isn't always very obvious. It's not right in front of you. And sometimes it just takes walking through a lot of those what-if scenarios to, to try to come up with the solution.
0: Well, I think that's probably a pretty good time to to stop and figure out how we find this book. How do we get all of your books? I mean, I think right now we all realize there's a hell of a lot out there that we haven't experienced. I'm almost afraid to dig in there and see what potential danger lies out there, but it is out there. So how can we reach out to either of you? How can we get the book? Uh, where do we start?
1: Well, we'd like you to start with our website, where you can get access to all of our books, uh, and that is uh, big book, bigbookofhr.com. dot com. Easy to remember, hopefully, but it's not just the Big Book of HR. That just happens to be the book we were working on when we put the up uh, the, uh, the what am I think? What's the word here? Our our website. Thank you. But we also, uh, on our website, have uh, our, our weekly blog, and we do have um, an email blast once a month to about five thousand people. We'd love to have people join us with that, uh, and we are both available uh, through that, that website.
0: Excellent. So, bigbigbookofhr.com is the site to go, right? Right. Okay.
2: We're also both on LinkedIn, and as you had mentioned earlier when we were chatting, that that's probably where most of our network is is on LinkedIn. So you can connect with us through some of the links right on the website, and we do have a Twitter account where we're out there on Twitter, and you can also find us on Facebook. But you know, the party for us really is on LinkedIn. That, that's where you're going to get the most information about what's going on and and updates on on the books, but. Start with the website, and that's just an easy way to reach reach out to us.
1: And if you can't remember the website, our books are available on Amazon.
0: Okay, very good.
1: What book isn't, right? Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. Well, that's great. Well, Barbara, Cornelia, thank you so much for taking time out today to chat with us. And if you're listening to this, please go to bigbookofhr.com. Make sure you get a copy of this book. Sign up and get into that networking group. If you're an HR professional, you do not want to do HR life. Alone. So, thank you both for being on the show.
1: Thank you. It's been a delight to be with you.
2: Thanks for having us, Mac.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever.